A lot of us are still working on our personal budgeting, much less how to put together a corporate budget. So where do you start when you're asked to submit the budget for your team or department? On this episode, the mindset and principles to successfully navigate corporate budgeting. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 355. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. It was probably about a year ago that I was hosting a meetup here in Southern California, and one of the listeners who attended the meetup said, I would love to know more about how to create a corporate budget. I just moved into a new position. I realized as I got into that position, I just didn't know how to create a budget. And the folks in my organization came to me and said, hey, you got to create a budget. And I didn't know where to start. And as I started having that conversation with her, I realized how rarely it is that any of us have had formal training on how to do this. Most of the time, the first time we're asked to create a budget, we start, someone pulls up an Excel spreadsheet or we look at the budget from last year and uh, and that's about the level of direction that a lot of us get the first time we do this. And so today, I'm really glad to be able to uh, have a conversation with an experienced leader on how to create a corporate budget. Uh, and this will be helpful not only if you have done this many times before, but also be helpful to you if this is the very first time that you're tackling this. And I'm thrilled to welcome to the show today, Jody Wadrich. Jody is an executive leader here in Southern California and has served his organization for over 20 years. During that time, he's had many opportunities to craft corporate budgets. Today, he's here to share some of the key leadership skills and considerations when crafting an organizational budget. Jody, I'm so glad to welcome you to Coaching for Leaders. Dave, thanks for having me. Well, I am really excited about this conversation. And I know when money comes up, a lot of times that's pretty fearful for a lot of leaders. So I'm thinking maybe we could just set the stage here. There are a lot of people in our audience who have crafted a budget or been involved in this process, but also there's some people who haven't. And I'm curious from your perspective in your career, what are the typical situations that you would find yourself in as a leader where you're needing to get involved in the budgeting process? For me, some of the areas that happen is maybe you take on a new department or group of people or a new project, and it comes with a budget, right? So you're sitting there staring at the budget, and then you have to make decisions on this. That's the first thing that often happens for me. And then when I get into it, I really start off simple, like start off with the big picture. And when you think about your own budget, personally, at home, right, you have two types of expenses. You have your fixed and you have your flexible expenses. And the same thing you'll find in most any budget, you're going to have the fixed expenses within that budget of things that have always been there and, and haven't ever moved. And then the, the areas that are, would be considered your flexible. So it's, it's kind of the first big picture, stand back, and I look at those two and break those up and make sure I understand all the differences between those. So that's how I really started off. 
When you and I were preparing for this conversation, Jody, one of the things that you mentioned to me is that when you're in this process of doing a budget, talking about budgets with people, that it's not really about the money, that it's about a lot of other bigger principles. Tell me more about that. So if you think about spending, whether it's your personal or other, people get nervous about the spending idea. Gosh, is my personality being judged because of the way I've spent money or how I've how I've used money in the past. So when you start talking about money with, a t- with your team or the people that are dealing with the money, it's important to be really transparent. And I think a lot of the times when money conversations come up, people don't tend to be transparent about it. You might have padding of budgets and all kinds of things that go on. And I think When you're talking about budgets, it's just important that you're dealing with the people like, hey, let's just be let's just sit down and have a conversation. Let's work through this, because the bigger picture here is that the money is the foundation behind what you do. But people are all involved through the whole process. So it's just working through that and working with the people that are using the money. I know this isn't the case everywhere, but in many organizations, if not most, there is an annual process to this of creating budgets and reviewing last year's budget and setting the next year's budget. And I guess I'm curious, Jody, like you know, keeping the, those larger principles in mind that you were just mentioning, what does that look like structurally? I'm just kind of curious. Like, do you do you get everyone together in a room and look at? what things have been allocated last year? Or is it really just starting with having that bigger conversation about what are we trying to achieve in the long run? And then that the dollar amounts start to get tied to it later on. Yeah. So it's the bigger picture first. And I always do it in, in stages. So it's the bigger picture conversation. Like what is it we're trying to achieve? What is each department trying to achieve to help get to that long game goal? And then after that, those concepts are written up. What does that look like? How would that happen? How are you going to achieve that? Then you come into the money aspect of it. Then the next stage would be, now we're trying to achieve these goals and how does that money achieve those for you? Because then it helps you really see or bolden the areas where, well, wait a minute, what is this? What are we doing with this money? This Oh, well, we've all, we always do this. Yeah, but how is it helping us in the long term? So uh-huh. maybe then that needs to be something that's looked at, right? Because then the defenses go away. Because if you set up and everybody's on the same page with a long-term goal, then when something comes up that's been a, we've always done it this way, then those things are easier conversations to have with people about the reasons why they may need to go away or adjust in some form. So I'm guessing that this is not a single meeting or maybe even just a couple meetings that this, in order to do that well, that there's a whole series of conversations that are happening over a period of time in order to work that through. Is, is that a pretty good guess? That's a great guess, Dave. And, and, and the bottom line is it's a, it's a constant conversation. And and you might think, gosh, that's exhausting. Like <laughs> you have to always have these come. Yeah, actually you do. 
when you're budgeting, like if you think of the budget being the foundation behind moving forward and getting things done and making things happen, you want that to work really efficiently, right? When you, if you think of your own personal finances and, and how if you don't budget that money and really sort it out, it just happens to go away one day and, and you're not sure why. Mm, yeah. And that, that is one of the big resistance factors to people creating personal budgets. Uh, and of course, in most organizations, you can't get away with not <laughs> creating a budget. Yeah. So I, I, one of the things I'm really fascinated by what you, you said early on when you and I started talking was a continuous review process that you utilize with your team. Tell me more about what your thinking is behind that and what it looks like in practice, not only during budgeted season, but during the rest of the year. The budgeted season shouldn't come or look or be a surprise to anybody if you're constantly working on it. That that season shouldn't be exhaustive, like, oh my gosh, we have to all stop everything to do the budget season and figure this out. It should be, it can be instantaneous. Again, if you think about your own personal budget, and if you don't look at it, but once a year, and, and then you have these overspends or this thing, have, oh my, it's a shocker, right? It's the same thing with your budgeting for, for your team and your company. Like you can't wait and look at it once a year and what happened and how did it turn out. But if it's a constant engagement and literally it, it needs to be weekly or biweekly at least to constantly check up on things because things shift. It's okay. It happens. Things shift. Things adjust. But then you need to adjust the budget to match those shifts. You know, if if your team's all padding so that they're covering shifts all the time, well, then what happens to you at the end of the year? You go into this frantic phase of spend it or lose it, right? Mm, Use it or lose it. Yeah. And that's that's not comfortable either because then what's my ROI on the things that we rushed and spent money on. But if you're staying ahead of it, anytime any executive leadership comes back to you and says, Hey, you know, we need to make sure we need to cut here or, or we have some, some cash flow that's come in. You have all of your things listed out and are able to, engage projects or take projects away and have those conversations with the execs in a way that, that allows you to be flexible. It actually provides more flexibility, right? Everybody thinks, you know, when you first do a home budget, you think, Oh gosh, here goes all my flexibility. I've lost it all. I'm tightened. I can't move. And that's why I think the first step is always is to sit back, look at how things are running and how things are moving before you, before you engage in change. And then when you see how things are moving and, and adjusting, and then you work with your team to make changes, it's not such a scary process for everybody. Yeah, at first it's uncomfortable because we've never had these conversations. But if you're having them on a weekly or biweekly basis, after a while, it's not so uncomfortable. Mm. Okay, I, this is bringing up a whole bunch of questions for me. This is great. Um, so one of the things I'm wondering about is, and I've done this, Jody, and I know a lot of other people listening have done this too, where 
you get part of the way through the quarter of the year and something goes better than expected and something else didn't go quite as well. And so you you end up padding the budget a little bit on the thing that went better than expected to cover the thing that didn't go as well. And I, so what I'm curious about is how have you as a leader worked with your team to develop more transparency around that? Because it sounds like your, if I'm hearing you right, your, your direction, your team and your expectation is that your team isn't doing that. So how have you changed behavior on that? So I actually brought them all together and just said, here's the, here's what happens when you pad your budget. It actually provides you more stress. And, and again, as you have to bring it back to the person, right? Because it is people you're working with. But padding budgets can actually, in reality, bring more stress to you and your team than not padding them. Because if you're not padding them, then you're completely transparent. There's nothing to hide. There's, it's all out in the open. And so with that, there's a responsibility as a leader to say, all right, so we need more money to go into this area or, or less into this other area. Right. And, and you need to be able to support those efforts when that happens from an operational standpoint of view. But in terms of those budgets, as you move forward, it's just important that when you go, through that process, that transparency really helps organize the team. Um, and if everybody has to do it, then they all learn. And there's going to be mistakes at first because what happens is some people pad a lot more than others, not knowing what real spend looks like. Mm. But guess what? Over time, they're going to learn what real spend looks like. Now your team is more educated about what's really happening they're able to make better decisions and they can be then empowered to help make the changes that need to make be happening. Now, oh, fascinating. And, and I'm curious too, how you and your team handle this with others in the organization. Um, and I, I've certainly heard stories before of leaders who have done this well, and then almost get punished by the rest of the organization because they, they craft a really realistic budget. They have good communication with their team. And then executive leadership comes down and says, all right, everyone needs to do a 10% cut across the board. And the rest of the executive team is playing this game of you know having padded the budgets, and you didn't. <laughs> and it's all of a sudden, right. you're the one that ends up getting punished by it. Have you navigated that? Like, Have you found ways to for that to be more clean and transparent when dealing with the rest of the organization? Yeah. And I think, as you say, like there needs to be conversations all the way up saying, this is our plan. This is how we want to go about it. And I, I suppose there are situations, I've been in situations where maybe the padding happens, but not within each team, maybe more in operations, if, if the padding must be there and your leadership says, we want padding, then you control it in a different way, not within each individual group. And then you help help support your team without the team themselves being padded, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But it's, if you have transparent conversations and say, yeah, say everybody has to make 10 per cuts across the board by 10%, then you come back to your team and say, okay, here's what I have. Here's some options, always coming back with options, right? Always, you always want 
to be able to come up with solutions, not problems. So you say, okay, here's, here's a few things we could cut that would make up that 10%. And what it eventually does, Dave, is, is it really shows the leadership, wow, they are, they're watching every dime they're spending. Mm-hmm. This is not a, you know, it, it says something, right, about how closely you're watching your money when you spend to the dollar. And at the end of the year, you don't have radical spend. You don't have these moments where there's this frenzy of spending going on because you're not rolling money over towards the end of the year and constantly moving it. So part of the value of doing this is, like you were saying, so there's the long game as far as what are you trying to do as a team and as an organization with the finances you have. But I'm also hearing you say, there's a long game as far as your brand as a leader and how you're being perceived by others in the organization and executive leadership about how you are responsibly handling, navigating money conversations and, and spending in a way that's appropriate and watching every dollar. Absolutely. And I, and I think that becomes really important because if you're up front and before leadership is coming to you, you're reporting on those things, reporting on your budget, showing where the spend is, where it's working, where, where things aren't working and being transparent about that and making adjustments coming up, using your team to help make adjustments where you need. What in the end happens is, you know, the, the finance team or others that come up, they understand what you're doing, right? And, and you, and you can tell them before they come to you. I love to be able to go to executive team, to finance, and be able to show before they before I have to get asked, right? Mm. If I'm getting asked, I feel like I'm behind the game. I want to be able to show before I get asked what my organization's doing. So part of the message here for us is regardless of how proactive the organization is on asking you, you're proactively going out to others in the organization and demonstrating on a regular basis what it is that's happening, why it's happening, where the money's going, and being really proactive in that communication. Absolutely. And then if you think about it, what that shows is a level of responsibility of money. And when you're really responsible with the money, it's a value for a company. Mm, mm, indeed. I, and I'm, I'm, so I'm curious how the conversations look like on a regular basis with your team. I mean, this continuous review process so if we were to if we were to eavesdrop on one of your team meetings, how does that come up? Do, do people literally like pull up a spreadsheet and, and talk about it every meeting, or um, like what do you do to what do you do to kind of structure that conversation regularly? The way that comes up is now it used to come up absolutely like a spreadsheet. Where is the spend? Where are we in the spend? Where does that spend end? And and where are we in the process? Okay, great. Looks like we're on track. Everything's on track, right? And then other areas, gosh, we're behind in this area and and the spend is going much higher than we expected. And that conversation might be like this. Well, where do we think that spend is going to go? And why why are we in that? So, So again, it's a conversation. Let's work this out together. So now you don't have one person sitting there sweating it out, trying to make it work, but it's a conversation together of, gosh, that spend is going on. Where, what can we adjust? Because more brains on a conversation can help figure out a solution, right? If, one, if you've got one brain trying to sort it all out, 
by themselves in a room, it may not go as well. It probably won't. But if you have more people thinking about it, then what it does to your team is it gives them, they begin to, instead of being defensive about it, well, you know, this is why, this is what's going, it becomes, oh, I'm getting helped here. This person's trying, this one's trying to help me come up with the solution and figure this out. Mm. Now, I'm hoping they're going to come to me with solutions already, and that's kind of how we work it out now is, okay, here's, here's the situation here, and here are some possible solutions. So that then there's choices to the solution. So I always ask for, well, if, if, if something's been coming in too tight or there's an a, adjustment that needs to be made, please come in with what you think some possible solutions could be. Right? Then it's a quicker conversation. They're in, they still are controlling their budget. They're controlling their team. And yet we can have a great conversation about it. And then as time progresses, then what happens is those conversations come up as as issues or possible issues come up. The, when, the, when they see a red flag, then they know that the next time we meet, hey, you know what, on this project and this project, there's some issues and here's some possible solutions to um, On these other projects, they're all going fine. Got it. And so it sounds like part of what happens too is not only is the rest of the team potentially a point for answers as far as you know how we allocate funding and you know who helps out in different places throughout the year but also perhaps more importantly that everyone's working together collaboratively to think about how do we solve the problem and what are some creative ways to think about how we approach this differently absolutely because you never know where the best ideas are going to come from mm. and if you don't empower your team to help with the solutions, you're not using your team as, as well as you could. Uh, this is great. And I, I asked a few of our Academy members about this topic, Jody, and uh, they sent in a few questions. And I think the questions are just <laughs> really reflective of some of the realities that people deal with in organizations. So I like this question from Beth. She sent this and said, any tips on reining in unrealistic revenue projections? And she says, for yeah. example, the head of sales has rose-colored glasses and wants to put a high number, even though historically the numbers would suggest a more conservative estimate. I was I was sort of smiling when I read this question, Jody, yeah. because I have <laughs> I have seen this happen so many times, and I'm sure you have too. Haven't we all? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, any thoughts on how to navigate that? Well, yeah, Dave. You know, this is this is really a a long game solution here for this one. What I typically do is bring back to the table each year, and this is literally yearly or even quarterly or bi-yearly, but what you do is bring back to the table where things are really tracking. Because, yeah, the rose-colored glasses come on and, man, we've got these numbers, and but historically, here's where we've been. So let's look at that. So, so then when you come to the table and it's time to have this conversation on budgets, before you go into it, you sort of let's start with a little history, right? Let's show the history of last year. And then the next year, let's show the history of the last two years. And then if we have to break it up by quarters to help create some understanding, then we do, right? But it's a long-term game here in terms of really gaining trust that you're, you're there to help them achieve their goals as well, 
And again, it's, it's about people, right? You're helping them. You want to help make sure they achieve their both goals, but Hey, let's, let's do it in a realistic manner. Let's make sure we're setting realistic expectations on this. And then if transparency at the end of the year, and, and they've set these very high expectations and your budgets now suffered in some way because of that, in all transparency, I have to show the, I have to show what's happened there, right? Because, because we have to work together. We have to get to the point where we're all working together to achieve the end game results. So part of this is the numbers themselves and accuracy on budgeting and forecasting. But there's also an element here I'm hearing too of you establishing yourself as a leader and and having a brand of a person that makes trustworthy, not only trustworthy predictions, but also is transparent about where things are and and really building trust with the other leaders and stakeholders in the organization that, um, that yeah, we're actually, we're, we're really trying to hit numbers that are realistic. Absolutely. And with different departments, that process will be a little different. So if, if you come to one department with numbers and, and they go, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Right. Then maybe that's an opportunity that always tells me that's an opportunity for me to share numbers more often. Right. So that's not such a, a shock. And then for other situations, it's not so dramatic and you don't need to share them as often. It becomes a bother for them. OK, OK, I get it. Jody. You, you, know, you, you do what you do. So it's, it's a matter of, again, really understanding the different personalities around the process so that you can help sort of manage those as well. Because again, if you can't build trust within the different teams, it's going to be really hard to, to get your money to move the way you need it to. One thing I'm curious about for you, Jody, is what, if anything, you've done as a leader when you have a member of your team that maybe is a little more fearful of of being transparent and maybe they have been padding for a long time because they've been rewarded for that in other parts of the organization or, or in other organizations. Sure. Are there sure. things you've found that have been helpful to lay the foundation for folks who are in that situation to get through that a little faster and, and, and to begin to become more transparent? You know, sometimes it, that process can be quite difficult, just to be honest, like it can be difficult for some. But I think, again, as, as when you're speaking with people, it's not to make it not a threatening situation. This isn't a threatening situation or there hasn't, there's nothing been wrong up to this point. We're just adjusting so that the money can, we can make sure goes to a real good ROI at the end of the day and that we can see what that is. Because if there's other adjustments that we need to make, you know, we need to be able to do those changes. So when somebody pads constantly, you got to really take a step back and say, how much does it actually cost? And, and then just going through it in small bits, right? Like let's, let's then review what the actual cost was. Okay. Let's look at, and then where would, oh gosh, the actual cost was this. And, it was, and this was budgeted for. And then you actually use percentages to show the difference. And then just 
hold it aside. You don't, you know, and we just keep doing it because sometimes people have padded so long, they don't actually know what things cost. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. You want them to be educated as well. You want them to be, you want all your team to be very well educated of what something really does cost. So it's important to, to go at that approach so that, so that you help them understand, man, I want you to be really well versed in a real cost estimate. And one of our chief jobs as leaders is developing the people under us to develop their own leadership skills. So it sounds like part of the way that you frame this is, hey, this is, this is a professional development opportunity to get really good at doing this and to get as accurate as you can so that you know exactly where you stand to all the other transparency things you were mentioning earlier when you get the questions from the executive team and everyone else in the organization. And at times, then what you do is that padding that they've put, then they can put towards other projects that they want to do. Don't punish them with the padding they've used. Help them use that money to achieve other things that they're wanting to achieve within their group. So I got a question also from Tyler. I think he anticipated what you said a little bit earlier. He brought up the point that comes up in so many organizations, ending up in the final months of the use it or lose it mode. He says, managers go and spend and spend and spend and even overspend knowing they have to take a short-term hit, but also to spend the money to make the case in subsequent years for a larger budget because they just didn't have enough in their budget from this past year. And he's wondering what leaders can do to encourage a prudent use of funds to avoid that end-of-the-year spending rush. I've heard this many times too, Jody, and I, I suspect if people are doing a lot of the things we've already talked about, that reduces it somewhat. But I am curious if that's epidemic in the organization. Are there things that you suggest as a starting point on how to begin to work around that a bit? I think one thing that you do is address it right up front. And it's one of the things we address, like we're not going to go through this year-end spending we're just not going to do it. Like everything's going to be budgeted. And when the year end comes, the use it or lose it, we're going to lose it. Right. But we're going to show that well in advance so that the company can use it uh, wisely, that it isn't a surprise to anybody or that a new project may then be started well before the end of the year. Right. So if you budget out the full year and you're working quarterly, and then you start to see money rolling over each month, that's a, that's a big warning sign. That shouldn't be happening, right? So if everybody's adjusting correctly, you won't come up with this large money at the end of the year because it's going to be visible. Again, if you're transparent, you'll see where money is. If you're coming to the end of Q3 and into Q4 and there's a large chunk of money and you only have so much time, then yeah, you're going to have you're going to have some of that going on. But if you start from the beginning and are working your way, then you don't have the stress of that type of activities happening. And your team doesn't either. Remember, you're sitting down with them once a month or or biweekly or maybe even weekly for some of the p- people on your team to make sure you're staying on track. This comes back to what we started the conversation with is it's, yeah, it's about money, but it's really about a lot else other than just money. It's about teamwork, collaboration, yeah. servant leadership. Uh, so yeah. much of that comes out in this, doesn't it? It's just... Uh, it's, it really, really does. And it really requires a lot of 
transparency with conversations, real open conversations with your with your team, starting with your core team and then moving out from there so that they trust you, that they trust that you guys are going to work together to create. And you might find things, but okay, we'll deal with it as we find them and then we'll go from there. One of the things I often ask leaders when they come on the show, Jody, is what they've changed their mind on. You know, we've talked a little bit about leadership development already in this conversation, and good leaders are learning, growing, changing their mind on things sometimes and doing things differently. As you've been through this process uh, a number of times over the years and have budgeted and led teams doing this, what, if anything, have you changed your mind on in the last five, maybe 10 years of how you approach budgeting today that you didn't uh, when you started doing this? The biggest thing that I've changed my mind on in terms of budgets is that they don't have to be this giant beast that that you sit down once or twice a year and, and sort of, quote, deal with. Because if you're in a stage of constantly moving and working with it, you're taking little bites off at a time, right? You, you, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with your budget. If you do it little bits at a time, it's not this big monstrous thing that you have to deal with, but you definitely as a leader need to set time aside to work on it. But it's become from this thing that seemed like, oh my gosh, it's this big beast to something that's, actually extremely manageable on any level. You just have to really take time. You put time into it and and it will show returns. Jody, I'm thinking about the analogy you mentioned personal budgeting a little while ago of almost how different people handle their taxes. You know, some people review where they are monthly, save all their receipts, uh, put things in the in the books uh, all the way along and are talking to their accountant throughout the year and they get to the end of the year and it's not a surprise they know exactly what they're going to owe or not and some people just you know do it all on the last day right and right. and put it all together and it's a big surprise and and panic or yeah. <laughs> celebration depending on the yeah. outcome and I've done both over the years and boy it's sure. so much better I mean, especially when other people are involved to be doing the planning the conversation all along isn't it oh you sleep so much better and actually, the, what you find is the departments around you begin to understand you better. And you're never a surprise to other departments around you or to your leaders as well. So it, it's really helped me in, in my career. And, and it's a great, I believe it's the only approach. Jody, this has been fabulous. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your experiences with us and uh, to provide us some coaching on something I know most of us have dealt with. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Dave, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. If you know someone who's putting together a budget right now and is wondering how they can do it most effectively, this is a great episode to pass along to them. Thanks in advance if you do. In addition, a number of other episodes that will be of value to you if you found today's conversation with Jody helpful. Jody and I really focused on some of the higher level things here, the mindset, the strategy, and some of the difficult conversations and how to approach that in budgeting. We did not get too much into the weeds 
on specific terminology and line items on budgets. Uh, For that, I would recommend episode 244, Improve Your Financial Intelligence. It's one of the episodes that will come up if you hit the finance and budgets topic in the podcast library. Joe Knight was my guest on that episode, and he walked us through some of the key financial terminology and what are some of the things you can do as a leader to understand the fundamentals of corporate and organizational finance. If you don't have a grasp on that in a way that you feel like you have some of the good terminology down, as by the way, most of us don't, even those of us who've gotten business degrees, this is something that a lot of us struggle with. I would highly recommend listening to episode 244, also reading uh, Joe's book, Financial Intelligence. They have a main title out, and they also have a title for specific uh, groups. They have a title for entrepreneurs and a title for HR professionals. Uh, But the main book, Financial Intelligence, a very, very helpful starting point on this as well. Again, that's episode 244. Check that out first. That's a good starting point and a great compliment to today's conversation. Also, I'd recommend episode 263, How to Benefit from Conflict. My guest on that episode was Susan Gerke. Susan and I talked about what are the three steps that you can take in almost any situation in order to start to resolve a conflict. And of course, whenever we're talking about money and budgets and resources, oftentimes conflict emerges, if not explicitly, certainly behind the scenes, certainly things people are not saying. And usually it's not about the dollars. It's about values. It's about people being heard, as we talked about in today's episode. So episode 263, a great starting point for that. Also, I'd recommend episode 311, Negotiation Tactics for Results. Kwame Christian was my guest on that episode. He is an expert on negotiation, a lawyer in the Midwest, someone who really has a practical view of negotiation. I'd highly recommend that episode. If you're looking for some good tactics on how to negotiate more effectively, of course, that often comes up in budgeting conversations. And Kwame and I took some of the questions from our listening audience in that episode. Again, that's episode 311. You can access all of those episodes and every episode that's listed under those topics, finance and budgets, difficult situations, and many more by activating your free Coaching for Leaders membership. And just go over to the Coaching for Leaders website in order to get access to that at coachingforleaders.com. When you get to the main page there, you'll see a place you can activate your free membership if you haven't already. It'll give you access to the weekly guide that comes every Wednesday from me with resources and notes from every show. In addition to that, links from other things I have found that will support you in your leadership development. It's also going to give you access to the entire podcast library since 2011. Uh, organized by topic, searchable by topic, my book notes, the member cast, so much more in there that'll be helpful to you. Again, activate all of that by just going over to coachingforleaders.com. Also give you access to my free 10-day audio course there too. Tons of wisdom there from many of the experts that have been on the podcast since 2011. Now you may remember if you were listening carefully last week, this episode today is part of a two-part series. We talked about corporate budgeting today, and I mentioned at the beginning of the show, a lot of us struggle with personal budgeting as well. So we're going to step a little bit away from the typical leadership topics next week and talk in detail about personal budgeting. Because if you're going to lead well and influence well, both professionally and personally, you need to have your money situation taken care of as well. 
I'm thrilled to welcome Jesse Meekum to the show next week. He's the founder of You Need a Budget, the software program and service that Bonnie and I use for all our personal budgeting. It's become very popular. He's going to be teaching us the four rules for handling our personal budgeting. So don't miss that next week. See you next Monday. Take care.